This is Robert McLean for The Prime Pod. I'm here today with Michal Stupovsky from Konsek and with Mark Robinson of Encore Wealth Management, two of my favorite economists. Gentlemen, we're going to be having a discussion on macroeconomic issues today, and in the end, we're going to take a bit of a look at how that relates to the property markets. Let's start off with a basic question, which is why money is more expensive to borrow in the Czech Republic. The central bank here seems to react far more proactively than the ECB does. And yet inflation and interest rates are higher. Michal, what is your view on that? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, first of all, um, you know, we have to take into account the fact that the base rate of the Czech National Bank is 7% at the moment, uh, which is more than double the base rate of the ECB, the deposit rate at uh, 3.25%. Uh, and in my opinion, taking the, the overall picture, uh, the Czech economy is much less indebted than the economy of the Eurozone. The Czech Republic uh, government debt to GDP ratio is uh, at the moment uh, at uh, around uh, 45% compared with the Eurozone, which is the, approximately the double. Uh, level 90%. So uh, overall, Czech economy, in my opinion, uh, has much uh, better capacity to withstand uh, higher rates uh, uh, than the economies in the Eurozone. Historically, that's been true, hasn't it? That the Czech Republic has always been I don't know, a bit hawkish in terms of its in terms of its like financial or its fiscal policies. So this is just a continuation of that. So why is it being punished in a sense with with such high interest rates and such high inflation compared to the compared to the euro? In- uh, well, that's that's a very good question. Uh, the inflation in the Czech Republic is approximately the double level compared with the eurozone. In the eurozone, the last print was uh, approximately six percent, and uh, in the Czech Republic, uh, we had yesterday uh, the inflation print for May, which was uh, 11%. In my opinion, the reason for that is much more uh, hot uh, labor market uh, in the Czech Republic uh, compared with the Eurozone, uh, because the unemployment rate uh, in the Czech Republic uh, is uh, at the moment around uh, 3.5%, which is the, uh, maybe even the lowest level. Uh, in the whole European Union, uh, and this uh, you know, very low unemployment has been the case uh, uh, as regards uh, Czech Republic for many, many years. So, uh, therefore, we have seen uh, very strong growth of nominal wages in the Czech Republic, which is, uh, in my opinion, the key reason for the much more uh, elevated inflation in the Czech economy compared uh, with the Eurozone. Mark, I'm guessing you're not going to disagree with that exactly, but the wage policies or the you know, the employment market, that's just one aspect, I suppose. Which factors do you think have been contributing to this issue? It is it is that the fact that the economy is very competitive and the level the low the level of unemployment is very, very low. And the analogy really is sort of to use the auto sector, Czech Republic's favorite sector. The auto sector, the, you put the car on the road and the wheels gain traction very quickly in this economy. The, the, the productivity is such that unemployment remains at a very low level. You've had a, a period of several years, if not decades now, of high 
direct investment into the country by foreign companies, but also now increasingly domestic companies reinvesting. And as they do that, they're creating more capacity. And as they do that, they're demanding labor, mm -hmm. which then keeps the unemployment, very, unemployment rate very low, keeps economic growth high. And the combination of those things, the, the consequence is not a negative thing. It's just a higher, a higher trend rate of inflation that we have in, than the, they have in the rest of Europe. And therefore, it, it grows faster in nominal terms and in real terms, nominal being real plus inflation, that that nominal growth rate and the real growth rate tend to be higher. And inflation, as Michal said, also tends to be higher, which then dictates a higher interest rate when you want to get it under control. I suppose if we want to get a bit of perspective on it, if you look at Hungary, that's a situation where I mean, inflation really is possibly out of control. We have sort of, we have 11% inflation here, 7% interest rates, but it could be worse. It could well be worse. If we had much looser fiscal policy, it okay. would be worse. All right. What we have seen, particularly over the last six months in the Czech Republic, is a reduction of domestic demand that actually retail sales and other domestic demand measures are falling. Mm -hmm. So this mon tight monetary policy is working in that regard. Even someone from the central bank was mentioning this in the last 24, 48 hours. That this is the process. This is why they raised interest rates to slow, to slow demand. Earlier this year, there were sort of expectations, there was hope on the market that the Czech Central Bank was going to be able to uh, reduce rates sooner, maybe sometime beginning in the fall, that, that we were going to see inflation falling. Do you see any chance of inflation falling uh, to somewhere around 2%, to some sort of acceptable level in the next 18 months? In my opinion, uh, the, the inflation is not uh, going to return to 2% um, inflation target anytime soon. I see uh, several reasons or global secular pro-inflation factors uh, such as uh, demographics. Uh, the populations in the West are aging. Uh, uh, there is uh, not enough uh, free labor on the market, which is driving uh, nominal wages. The second uh, secular pro-inflation factor might be deglobalization or reshoring production from the cheap Asian countries back to the uh, North America or Europe with much uh, higher production costs. Uh, the third factor uh, might be the so-called peak cheap energy, which means that uh, uh, marginal commodities production uh, everywhere in the world is getting um, more and more expensive, which uh, should be driving uh, energy and commodities uh, prices up uh, in the upcoming years. Uh, and uh, last but not least, the final pro-inflation factor is the war in Ukraine. Uh, wars uh, always uh, had strong uh, pro-inflationary pressures, and I believe that uh, this time is uh, not any different. So, uh, to summarize, I do not believe that uh, inflation uh, uh, not only in the Czech Republic but also in the whole Europe and uh, uh, in North America will not be returning to 2% inflation targets and uh, rather uh, will be hovering around uh, 5% in the foreseeable future. 5% Mark? Yes, um, and Michael's points are all extremely valid uh, but certainly for the medium and long term outlook for that inflation rate and that's what how financial markets work. 
Um, but in terms of looking a little bit at the shorter term, uh, the the fact that we do have low unemployment across economies, so in US, in Europe, in the Czech Republic, is that itself is creating a situation where the medium-term factors that Michael's mentioned are playing. But on top of that, you've got this cyclical effect of very low unemployment, and it takes time, therefore, for higher for tighter monetary policy, higher interest rates mm-hmm. to get things under control. When you have low unemployment, you still have, particularly say in America right now, you have an economy that's still booming compared to expectations. Not necessarily booming in a big way in absolute terms, but compared to where economists or investors thought it would be mm-hmm. in June 2023, it's probably in a better place. That's an example of an economy where unemployment is very low and consumers are still spending. And this takes time, months, quarters, even years. So if both of you are pretty much agreed that we're not going to see 2% inflation uh, by the end of, uh, of next year, do you think that the, uh, the, the Czech National Bank are simply the economists there aren't seeing it? Is it something to do with psychology as much as what they think the realistic uh, ex- uh, expectations for their economy will be? Yeah, I mean, I think part of, part of what they're doing is connected with the level of the currency. Because if you allow this currency to drop, i.e. if they think interest rates will fall, the currency will be sold off. At this stage, that imports inflation. Right. The price of everything that's imported goes up when the Czech crown goes down Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Over the last few quarters, that the strength of the Czech crown has helped get inflation down from 18% year on year where we peaked down to 11% now. But that's a process which has been difficult. I would like also to point out that, uh, from my opinion, the, the, the base interest rates of the Czech National Bank should be higher. Uh, at the moment, you know, uh, we had a couple of months ago, we had even 18% inflation in year-on-year terms, and uh, that uh, uh, represented significantly negative real inflation-adjusted uh, uh, interest rates uh, in the Czech economy, which uh, represents uh, at the same time uh, rather loose uh, monetary policy. Uh, so I, I, I believe that uh, the, the previous bank board uh, with the governor Yuri Rusnok uh, uh, made a pretty good job, but uh, we achieved the 7% level of the repo rate already a year ago. Mm-hmm. And since then, the, the, the new bank board with Governor Michal uh, did uh, basically uh, nothing. Uh, I believe uh, um, if... Uh, uh, the new bank board had uh, been increasing uh, rates uh, further. Uh, we might have been already now in uh, single digits inflation. With all of these type of discussions, we are actually talking in a way about the strength of the currency and the viability uh, of the currency and the question of acceptance or not acceptance of the euro. Do you see that as a long-term trend and is it this type of pressure that would lead uh, to a serious discussion about uh, accepting the euro? Yes, it's certainly the case that when you have a situation when inflation is getting out of control, that populations start to doubt the 
abilities of their of the of the monetary authorities and start questioning that so the credibility it's it's a credibility game mm-hmm. it's do you trust your own central bank Michael, i mean you're saying that uh, interest rates should have been higher already perhaps they just feel like that's the most they can do under the certain circumstances fundamentally i believe that <clears throat> there is no big difference between the czech corona and the euro uh, both are you know, fiat currencies uh, without any gold backing uh, so uh, fundamentally i think in the end, in the end of the day and from the very long term perspective uh, i think uh, it would not be a huge uh, difference to have here uh, euro or uh, Czech uh, Corona. And uh, I think uh, uh, the, the public debate has been too heated maybe in, in, in the last several years. Governments don't control interest rates, at least they're not supposed to. So what can they do to curb inflation? Uh, well, uh, from the very short term point of view, it's a rather tricky job for the government. Uh, I don't think uh, they can do uh, any serious within the time span of uh, uh, one to maybe three years. Uh, but for the long term time horizon, uh, I think the, the inflation rate, um, fundamental inflationary pressures uh, should be uh, tamed by much higher investments into infrastructure and education. Okay. Uh, which is boosting uh, structural growth rate uh, of the economy on the supply side. Mark, if we agree that the decade of low inflation and interest rates of, say, the 2010s was abnormal, what would you consider normal? Uh, Does higher or normal interest rates mean lenders are actually paid for taking a risk? I mean, that's a positive in the end, isn't it? Well, it is. It is because it then gets the system back into rationality that there should be a cost of money, a cost of capital, that savers should be able to um, receive uh, income for uh, their savings that are committed in banks or in bonds. That should be, the equilibrium is not zero. Michael, 2% always seems to be that that golden mean. It seems to be that that magical number. Is it a realistic number for central banks? Uh, 2% inflation. Yeah. Um, I don't believe it's a realistic target uh, anymore. Uh, I I have been already talking about uh, the long-term global secular pro-inflationary factors. So. I believe that uh, within the next one or two years, uh, we could come to the point uh, when uh, key central banks will start questioning uh, 2% uh, inflation targets and uh, the the central banks could uh, um, start very cautiously proposing uh, to increase inflation targets uh, because otherwise uh, the, the setup of the monetary policy and the, uh, the level of interest rates uh, should be too high and too restrictive okay. for the economies. I think they have to be a little bit careful because if we raise inflation rates, target inflation rates, let's say, to 3% or 4% even, we are talking about the erosion of a standard of living. Over the last year in the Czech Republic, standards of living have effectively de facto dropped by 11% in terms of pricing power. Mm -hmm. That's what's happened. That's the inflation rate. 
So the higher that goes, the more dangerous it gets and more unstable it gets. And this is why monetarists have targeted inflation throughout the last century. Right, but there's 11% inflation, then then, then there's 3 to 4% inflation. Yes. Those are very different animals. They are different animals, but still with a 4% inflation rate, you're talking about a, if you do the mathematics, a doubling of prices within 25 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the fact. If you just do the compounding, it's that, that's what happens. And that's... That's not particularly stable, whereas 2% inflation means doubling almost every 50 years is a little bit more stable. I think it's an easy solution to say, okay, let's move it to 3%. That could well happen, but it obviously has quite significant implications for financial assets. So does targeting an inflation rate that isn't realistic, because depending on the government that you get, you might say, okay, well, we need 2%, so we're going to cut all education. We're not going to build a single school for the next two years, and we'll, uh, we, can, we can cut inflation by getting rid of money supply. I mean, there's all sort of draconian things that can be done in the hope of chasing some unrealistic goal. You're correct, and we can look at Japan in that regard. Okay. We can see very low rates of inflation in Japan for the last 30 years. It boils down to the fact that inflation affects 100% of the population of the economy. Mm-hmm. Unemployment is a problem for 90% in terms of, well, I might need to spend less. It's a real problem for the 10% who lose their jobs or don't have a job in the first place. Right. Whereas inflation is affecting everyone, 100%. Obviously, it affects some people more, particularly at the lower, end, lower half of the income spectrum, but it affects everybody. Michael, you've uh, finally had a chance to meet Mark. Do you have a question that you'd like him to answer? Uh, yeah, Mark, I am very curious about your views on global equity allocation, asset allocation. Which uh, regions or equity sectors do you prefer at the moment to have in investors' portfolios? Yes, yes, right at the moment. Uh, at Encore Asset Management, we have a a quarterly asset allocation process. So this renews every quarter. So what I say now might not apply after July. (laughs) I'll try to get this out quickly in that case. But at the moment, we are favouring US equities. We're favouring what we call global high quality equities. So companies with high returns on equity, high dividend payouts, those, that profile of companies. companies. Um, We also are positioned in European equities at this point. Um, But as I said, all of these things are tactical allocations within global equities and that might change uh, according to our, to our models uh, our models triggers the leading indicators within the model uh, over 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 the coming quarters but that's the favor at the moment it was before check equities so we were in check equities up to March or April um, but we've taken 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 money out and rotated into out of check crown assets and into into the US and and the global quality companies. Okay, Mark, it seems only fair to let you ask Michal a question. So what have you got? Yes, I'd like to sort of tie up what we've been talking about and ask you, how do you expect the changed macroeconomic indicators, the situation that we've described with the rising of inflation and the raising of interest rates in reaction to that, to impact investment asset classes, so especially on the effect on stocks and, mm-hmm. and equities, the effect on bonds, 
and also the effect on real estate. Uh, at Consec, we are still cautious regarding the global stock markets. Uh, we think that uh, equities, especially in the United States, are currently overvalued by uh, approximately 20 to 25 percent. Uh, we think that um, uh, bonds with uh, the mid to long term maturity are rather unattractive at the moment, and uh, we prefer uh, money markets instruments especially uh, reverse repos with the Czech National Bank at the gross yield of 7%. And uh, regarding the real estate, both uh, residential and commercial, uh, we think that uh, next uh, couple of years, uh, not only in the Czech Republic, will be pretty different compared to the last year. So uh, uh, that said, we are expecting that prices should be gradually going down down and uh, the, the valuations also of the real estate for example prices compared to uh, median income should normalize and come closer to uh, long-term averages mark i have to ask uh, your view on uh, on these things briefly 2022 was an earthquake so it, it, this was the jolt this was the san andreas fault moving in california that you had the jolt from zero interest rates up to 4% interest rates across the world, roughly. So that was the jolt. That, and we had those, as you mentioned, Mikhail, the big corrections in bonds and equities in reaction to that. I think we have to be more nuanced now. We have to look at, okay, which assets are affected in the long run by higher interest rates? Which assets are suffering if you have to plug in a higher cost of capital for the long run? So we're talking about, unfortunately, real estate, private equity, that you have to plug in a higher cost of capital. Uh, uh, and then certain equi certain equities, the tech sector, you have to, if you've got profits, growth stocks far in the future, companies that are producing their earnings and profits far in the future, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years time, growth companies, uh, those, have, those profits have to be discounted back to now. And if you have higher interest rates, that discount rate is higher. So the valuation now is lower and it's this, these adjustments have to be made within equities. So equities are moving in different directions over the next year, two years, three years as interest rates stabilize. Mm -hmm. I think there's an assumption amongst many investors still that, oh, and it's related to the question you, you posed a couple of questions ago to Michal, that, that actually the normal is zero interest rates, whereas It's probably not. And the market has to actually fully work this out, that actually the new normal is not zero interest rates. And therefore, the asset asset classes may have not have completed those that adjustment to this new situation of higher rates. Those days are gone. It looks like it. Michal and Mark, thank you very much. It's uh, been a great conversation. Many thanks for the invitation, Robert. Thank you very much. <laughs>